Okay, so I got a really good question. What does God and the Beastie Boys have in common? Both God and the Beastie Boys believe that partying is a right and a responsibility. If you go Google sacraments today, partying will not pop up. But maybe that's a part of the problem. God was into celebrating all that he had done for his people, all that he was doing in the moment, and all that he would do in the future. Clear teaching of a party theology. Say, what? You can live in the midst of this world, and not flippantly, but when you know who you are, and you know whose you are, and you know where you are going, then you can live in this world with joy. The reason we celebrate like there's no tomorrow during baptism is because we believe new life is coming out of that water. Like this is why we've always called our baptisms parties on the patio. If you've never been baptized or had a powerful, meaningful baptism celebration, or you just know God's calling you to publicly profess your faith today, I'll meet you in the pool and we'll have a baptism party on the patio. It is time to go public with your faith in Christ. to be with you all here today. As you probably have already guessed, we are in our current series titled One at a Time. And I'm so glad to be here with you all today. Little Labor Day weekend didn't stop anybody from being here in the house of the Lord. But man, it's my joy to be here with you guys today. Now church, what would you do if I came up here and I asked you to try to guess three of my favorite things in the entire world? All right, I bet 50 of you in fact, we can even broaden this game a little bit wider. I bet not even a hundred of you would be able to guess the fun fact about me that I'm about to tell you right now. Are you ready? So here's the thing. I love Jesus, but I also have this thing for loving professional wrestling. All right? You heard that right. You weren't mistaking. I love professional wrestling. You know what I'm talking about where the guys are all like muscular in the ring trying to get the upper hand on one another? Yeah, I love professional wrestling. And you should see the look on some of your faces because that is the very last thing that you ever thought I would get up here and say. But maybe some of you are familiar with some of these wrestlers that I love, love so much. I'm talking about professional wrestlers like John Cena. Have you heard of him? Couple of you have, he's got a fan club over here. John, this man, like, he's a beast, you guys. Those, he's muscles for days. He comes out there, does a whole you can't see me thing. I love professional wrestlers like John Cena. I'm talking about wrestlers like Hulk Hogan. Hulkamania, if you will. See y'all, some wrestlers, they come out, they got like a spray tan happening sort of situation. Not Hulk. Hulk comes out almost bronze, ripping his shirt in half the moment he gets into the ring. I love professional wrestlers. I'm talking about wrestlers. I know you know this next one. People like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Have you seen this guy? Some of you here today say, hey, I don't know wrestling, but I've seen that guy's movies. But don't you know, he got his start first in the squared wrestling ring. See church, but out of all the professional wrestlers that there are, my absolute favorite wrestler of all time 
has to be the very first wrestler I ever laid my eyes on. And his name is AJ Styles. Look at his picture, church. See, I'm glad you're celebrating for him because for me, you're staring at my high school celebrity crush, all right? I remember all the girls, they would come into high school with like the latest boy band on their notebook, but not me. I came in, I spent all my time at my mom's printer, printing off photos of AJ so that I could hang them up in my locker. I love AJ Styles. Now I have an older brother and as you might have imagined, he's the one to my mom's regret who got me into professional wrestling. And so one day I found out that AJ Styles was coming to our city. And so I went up to my brother Daniel and I said, Daniel, you know how I've been like a really, really good sister to you lately? And Dana looked at me and goes, Abby, what do you want? And I was like, Dana, why do I always gotta want something? Okay, I'm just saying, if you would like to repay me for all the years in which I've been a quality sister to you, you should probably think about surprising me with tickets. Cause come on church, maybe if you're a younger sibling in the house today, I mean, I've heard, not saying we are, but I've heard we can be just a little bit manipulative sometimes. But it all works together for good and you know it's in a good way. And of course, my mom, she always taught us to love our siblings well. And so my brother, being the brother that he is, surprised me with professional wrestling tickets. But church, what you need to know today is that these weren't just any tickets, all right? These were floor seats. I actually brought a photo so you could see what I mean. Here I am, look at me, church. I'm gonna put a little prerequisite. I never get this giddy and excited unless I'm talking about wrestlers or the Lord. And right now I'm talking about both. But these tickets were so special because you see where I'm pointing? We were right by the entrance ramp. Now for the wrestlers to get to the ring, they would have to first go down the entrance ramp, which meant I very well could be the first person they were making eye contact with, and therefore we'd have a little bonding moment. And so these were the best seats. They were the second best seats in that entire arena. Only aside from the very best seats, which happened to be two seats down where you could physically reach out and touch the wrestler. So all night long, I'm ecstatic, right? I got AJ's t-shirt, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for his match. It's the last match of the night. When finally the announcer gets on and he goes, all right, next up, is a championship match featuring AJ Styles, some other guy that really wasn't important to me. <laughs> and in that moment, church, you're gonna love it. I just let out a scream. And then the people over here with the very best seats, you'll never believe what happened. In that moment, they get up, look directly after me after I screamed, did this whole little jester thing, and they just left. And I looked at them and I said, are you kidding? Like this is the moment for me. The very last match we've all been waiting for. I wasted no time. I looked at them, I said, well, have a great week. Before I went in, jumped in their seat and that my church family was the very seat I was in when I met my favorite wrestler. Can you say only God? Only Church, this is why I love you. You just went ahead and celebrated with me. But you see, my favorite part of the whole night is when we were getting ready to leave, my brother looks at me, he goes, Abby, I just don't know how you do that. He said, out of all the people in that entire arena, you somehow got the couple with the very best seats to see you enough that they gave up their seat for you. Wow. He goes, on top of that, out of all the people in that one arena, you somehow managed to get AJ Styles to see you and have a whole one-on-one -on -one conversation with you. Wow. And I looked at my brother and 
and I said, yes, I was seen by that couple. And yes, I was seen by AJ himself. But this all happened because I was seen by my God who cared about the littlest desire of my heart. But church, have you ever been in a moment where you felt seen by God? Have you ever been a part of an experience where you knew that you knew, hey, that moment was for me? See, we've been in this series titled One at a Time. We've been looking at how Jesus changed the world one person at a time. You might recall how in previous weeks, Pastor Benji did this by teaching us the power of zooming in on the people that the religious community cropped out. Jesus changed the world by understanding the power of proximity, the potential of intersections, and having a party when it comes to the importance of salvation. But church, today, I wanna talk to us about the power of being seen by God. Did you know that in the Bible, one of the names of God is El Roy. El Roy, and El Roy means seen by God. El Roy. In fact, church, why don't you go ahead and repeat that word with me on three. Ready? One, two, three. El Roy. El Roy means seen by God. See, throughout all of the gospels, Jesus came and he truly changed the world by seeing one person at a time. You may recall how in week two of this series, Pastor Benji told us that we will never live an abundant life if we do not understand one at a time. But church, I would go ahead and take that a step further and say that all these messages in which we've heard together, they could easily go to waste. If we do not grasp, don't miss it, our response to God's one at a time nature and what it means to be seen by him. And so today I want you to go ahead and open up in your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, of course this is the gospel the life of Jesus as told by John. But what's fascinating about this passage of scripture is that in John chapter 11, we see that it's actually one of the longest coherent narratives, a part of the whole entire gospel of John, aside from Jesus's final moments. And so what that simply means, church, is there's something of great importance that John would actually want us to notice in this scripture. And I believe it has everything to do with our response to being seen by God. And so if you're ready for the word of the Lord to be brought to you today, I wanna to hear you say, bring it. Are you ready? Bring it. All right, starting in John chapter 11, picking up in verse one, the word of God says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, well, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going to go back so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But come, let us go to him. See here in the scriptures, we see that heartache is facing the people of God at the death 
of a man named Lazarus. Lazarus is a brother to Mary and Martha, and these are two women who loved Jesus. You may recall how in the scriptures, Martha, she was the one who tirelessly worked in her kitchen cooking up a meal for Jesus when she found out he was coming to her house. We're talking about Mary. Mary's the one in the Bible known for breaking open the expensive jar of perfume, pouring it out on Jesus's feet before getting her very own hail to wipe off the Savior's feet. These two women love Jesus and they send word to him saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. He needs you to come, Jesus. And yet Jesus doesn't. You may be saying, well, well, wait. I thought we were talking about being seen by God. I thought we were talking about what matters and yet you mean to tell me we're looking at a passage in which hope doesn't come through? And I just wonder if the same thing has ever happened to you. Have you ever heard that you are the one who Jesus loves and yet you're standing there saying, well, where are you, God? I don't see you. I don't feel you. See, isn't it fascinating that in the scriptures we never notice other people's problems as priorities, yet the moment we go through a hardship, well, we're expecting heaven to move right now. Situations like that can leave us saying, well, where are you, God? Do you even see me? But I believe what God would want us to know today is that when circumstances don't change, hello, it's because God is more concerned with your character rather than your timetable. God is more concerned with your character rather than your timetable. See, Jesus is supernatural. He has this supernatural ability to see other people intently. God knows exactly what you need, how you need it, and when you need it. The Bible says that he knows the very amount of number of hairs upon your head. He knows you. He knows you better than anyone else can. There is power in being seen by God. So if you're taking notes today, here's the first thing that I believe Jesus would wanna teach us that we can apply to our lives. God sees the one who trusts. In fact, church, go ahead and read that out loud with me. Ready, go. God sees the one who trusts. Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. Jesus delays and therefore Lazarus goes and passes away. But the word of God continues on and it says this. It says on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though that they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. So Martha, she comes to her brother's grave and she meets Jesus and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, I know that my brother would not have died. 
And yet even now I'm going to trust in you. See what Jesus has done is he's created space for a wound to happen, but it's not to hurt Martha, it's with a hope. See, when we go through difficult situations, it's not to harm us, it's with the hope. The Bible says that God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. See, pain is actually what humanity uses to teach us that we have more in common than we think. Hear me, church, God does not have a track record of abandonment. It's not in his nature. Pain is what teaches us that we have more in common than we think. It's why whenever something difficult happens in our world, you see the church of Jesus get lifted up with outcries throughout all of social media calling us to pray. Martha's in pain and Jesus sees her. He comes along and he sits in her pain and he gives her this promise laced with the hope of heaven that even if the unthinkable happens, God is the one who is thinking of you. See what Jesus is modeling to us is that the most powerful worship we can bring is worshiping in spite of circumstance. Come on, church. The most powerful worship that we can bring is worshiping in spite of circumstance. You wanna know how your worship can become a weapon? It's when you learn to worship despite what is happening around you. See, Martha may have been weeping, but she is worshiping. She runs to Jesus with tears stained cheeks and says, Lord, if you would have been here, I know that my brother would not have died. And yet even now I'm going to trust in you. There's power in trusting our God. If you've been here before, you probably know that I lead our young adults ministry. It's a great ministry. They meet on every second and fourth Tuesday at 7 p.m. But a couple of events ago, I was really excited because we were having our first ever outdoor worship experience. And church, I was feeling pretty confident because out of my two years of leading this ministry, it has only rained two times on a Tuesday. Now, I bet in a million years, you would never guess what the weather happened to be on the night of the outdoor worship experience. Rainy. And so all day long, I'm watching the forecast and I'm thinking, Lord, you need to make a way even when I don't see it. And then we see that it says on the weather forecast, 6 p.m. and onward, there's gonna be clear skies. And I said, praise God, the event starts at seven, he sees me. So we prepare, everything goes outside, and as we're worshiping, something's like a little bit off, and I actually brought a photo so you could see exactly what we saw. Here's what we saw, church. I don't know if you can see, but it looks like a cloud of death is hovering over the church parking lot in the church parking lot alone. So I'm getting ready because I have this message to teach and I go up to the guys in the back and I say, hey, are we good? Like, there's this cloud. And they said, yeah, don't worry. 0% chance of rain is what the Doppler says. <laughs> so I get up there and right when I start to get into the groove of my teaching, I look to the back to panic faces, trying to signal to me how the Doppler has gone from 0% chance of rain all the way to 100 in an instant. And so I'm sitting there and I said, well, God, you need to move. And I said, so when we go through a fire, we can either run from God or towards God. The choice is yours. I teach a little bit more and then right when I say amen, a monsoon of rain falls on all the young adults' heads. We all go running into the building, we're all huddled up together and this girl's beside me. And she says, hey, Abby, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, sure. She says, on my way over here, 
I told God that this is my very last chance of running back to him. I told God, I know I've been running away, but this is my time to run back to you. Because if I'm honest, I just feel like I've been going through a fire. And I asked God, I said, God, if you really see me, then would you use a fire to speak to me? Now church, let's be honest. Unless your name is Moses, who in the world prays that you would use a fire to speak to them? But this is the girl that mattered to Jesus. And I looked at her and I said, so this whole night was really created for you and mine. And this is what we see present in the scriptures. See, the one mattered on that night. And in this scripture, the one that mattered was Martha. God saw her in her pain and chose to sit with her as she trusted him. God sees the one who trusts. But there's another who God sees. See, God sees the one who trusts. But here's the second thing, if you're taking notes, don't miss this one. God sees the one who doubts. God sees the one who doubts. See, in our scripture, Martha has just had a moment with Jesus telling her God that she trusts him. But don't let us forget, there's another sister present in the scripture. It's Mary, and Mary is nowhere to be found. The scripture said that Mary stayed at home. So Jesus sees this situation and the word of God continues on. And it says, after she, that is Martha, had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she saw him and then she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now notice, Jesus saw Martha. And in the same way, he also saw Mary's absence. And so he looks at Martha and says, where's Mary? Go get her. Mary comes, she falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if you would have been here, I know that my brother would not have died. And then silence. Does it sound familiar? It's because that is the same statement that Martha had just said to Jesus. The difference between the two is Martha followed up her statement with faith. Mary just sits in her honesty. You know that you can be honest with God today. You can't heal in hiding, but you can heal when you get honest with Jesus. Mary comes, she falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if you would have been here, I know this wouldn't have happened. Lord, that's all I got. I'm just hurt. But see what I love about our Jesus is in the very next verse, it says that when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Church, do you know that out of all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 40 references that state when Jesus saw someone. Now you would think, with the life that Jesus lived, there would be a whole lot more times in which he would see someone. So why does the author use that phrase, Jesus saw so frugally? 
It's because he wanted to place a divine example of what it meant to be seen by Jesus. See church, being seen by God is so much more than just being looked at. It's being divinely noticed. And for Mary in this moment, she is knowing that her God notices her. And what I love about Jesus is Jesus knows what he came to do. He said already, this sickness is not gonna end in death. He knows that he has the power to resurrect Lazarus from the grave. And what Jesus could have done is he could have said, really, Mary's not coming? After all we've been through, she's just gonna stay at home? Well, fine, she can stay there. I'm gonna do what I came to do. But Jesus is not like that. Jesus is kind. He's not willing to let Mary miss out on the miracle due to some disappointment. And so he calls her. He says, come, go get Mary. See what Jesus is showing us is he's living out what Christian motivational speaker Zig Ziglar said best. When he said, how we walk with the broken, come on, speaks louder than how we sit with the great. Let me say that again, church. How we walk with the broken speaks louder than how we sit with the great. Jesus is showing us his approach to all people, that when it comes to the saved and those who are unsaved, all the loved and those who are lonely, all those in the crowd and too ashamed to be associated, those are the very same people that we should be seeing. If we are seen by God, then we should see and sit with another. Because come on church, one matters to God and therefore one should matter to us. See, I believe that when we do this, we're gonna live out what the poet Maya Angelou said best. When she said, I learned people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But come on church, people never will forget how you made them feel. That's good, that's good news for us. They will never forget how you made them feel. See, Jesus sees the one who trusts. Jesus sees the one who doubts. And the way Jesus sees and sits with another should be our example that we should too. Jesus sees these two people, but there's one more in who he sees in the scripture because there's a miracle that's needed. God sees the one who trusts. God sees the one who doubts. But here's the next thing. God sees the one who is in need. Church, go ahead and read that out loud with me. Ready, go. God sees the one who is in need. Jesus sees Martha. He sees and he weeps with Mary, but there's a miracle that's needed. Lazarus is dead. So the word of God continues and it says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe? See church, this isn't in my notes today. But if you're anything like me, we can see these three examples and we can think, well, God must see that one better than the other one because they're on the better hierarchy than I am. What I love about this text is Martha is a sister who is trusting. Just a few sentences ago, she said, Lord, I trust you. And now she's coming here saying, Lord, what are you doing? He's been dead for four days, it stinks. King James Version says, it stinketh. 
And Jesus comes. It really does. And Jesus comes and he said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see? Anyways, that's a sermon for another day. Jesus comes and said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you are the one who sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, Jesus saw Martha, he saw and wept with Mary, but oh yeah, there's a miracle that's needed because Lazarus is dead. But I would argue, church, that the greatest miracle, it already happened. And it happened the moment that God let these two women know that they were individually seen by him. But nevertheless, Lazarus actually means the one God helps. And oh church, I love the mention of the one because we see that God has a tendency to run after that one. So Jesus shows up to the grave. He sees the stone and he tells them, take away the stone. The stone gets rolled away. Jesus calls by name the one who he loves and says, come out. The man comes out, grave clothes and all. Because here's what I believe that God would want us to know today. God does the rescuing work and our response is to be a part of the resurrection work. God does the rescuing work and our response is to be a part of the resurrection work. See church, don't miss it. Lazarus never spoke. In case you didn't know the man was dead, God used a dead man to place his resurrection power on display. And to this day, we still see God's resurrection work at play. You may be saying, well, what in the world do you mean? I'm so glad you asked. See, at this church, we see marriages that were broken and hanging on by a thread get saved by the gospel of Jesus. We see finances that were wrecked in a burden to us get turned around and used for God's glory. We see families that were broken beyond repair get mended by the mercies of God. Addicts get set free, people come home. That's the power of the church we see daily. God does the rescuing work and our response is to be a part of the resurrection work. To make it personal, I already mentioned how I lead our young adults ministry. Well, one Tuesday night, I met this guy named Austin. Austin was invited by another one of our young adults. His name is Grant. And Austin came in and he told me about how he got saved on Easter Sunday. And Austin had this desire to go get baptized. Now church, let me just pause for a moment. Because when you go to a church where in one Sunday, 50 people are responding to the gospel of Jesus, going from dead to life, that is worthy to celebrate twice. So would you help me to celebrate what God did last weekend? But see, Austin, he came up to me and he said, Abby, I really wanna get baptized. And so back in June, we actually all celebrated together Austin's baptism in this very room. And whenever a young adult gets baptized, I love to send a little paragraph to Pastor Benji 
just so he knows exactly the story of the one that he was baptizing. And I remembered how Austin told me one time about how he was homeless. And so curious of how he became, you know, unhomeless, I decided to call his roommate, Ryan. And I said, hey, Ryan, you know, with Austin's baptism coming up, I was just curious about his story. I remember he said he was homeless and now he's not. And Ryan said, yeah, Abby. He says, well, on Tuesday, when Grant had invited Austin to church, I met him. And I told Austin, I have this spare bedroom and if you want it, you can come have it. And I said, Ryan, you opened up your home for this boy? And Ryan goes, yeah. But then when Austin moved in, I introduced him to David who also goes to young adults. David got him a job and now David has this whole mentorship thing happening with them and I think it's awesome that he's getting baptized. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait, Ryan. You mean to tell me that there was this guy didn't know Jesus, didn't have a home. He comes to church, he gets saved, gets baptized, finds a home and a job, and none of you thought it was a good idea to tell me. <laughs> and he goes, no, Abby, cause we got it. See church, God is still in the business of doing a resurrection work. Hear me, do not deny the place that God has you in. I know my God too well to know that you are not placed where you are without a purpose. God sees you. And my question for us today is if you truly are the one who is seen by God, then who is he wanting you to see? If you are the one who is seen by God, who is he wanting you to see? See, there's an urgency in this matter because heaven is on the line. I never knew Austin aside from a few passing conversations, but God, God knew that there was a group of young adult men that could see Austin like only they could. And they took action, which led to salvation. See, and what I love about this is you might recall how in the very beginning of the passage of scripture, we see how the Jews, the, the Jews were there with Mary. And I love how when Jesus got word that Lazarus was ill, the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, you can't go. There's a bunch of Jews, don't you remember they wanna stone you? But at the end of this chapter, there's this verse, and it says, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, and they believed in him. Don't miss it, God seeing the one, God seeing Mary, led to the salvation of so many other people. You see someone that only you can see, and that someone matters to God. And so if you are seen by God, then who is the one that he's wanting you to see? Who is that coworker, that family member, that nurse on your unit, that friend that you know is not a great headspace right now and could really use an invite to church? Let's see people where they are. Let's ask them how their day was and then let us invite them to church. See church, heaven gets crowded one at a time and we can truly change the world if only we see people one at a time as Jesus did. Would you go ahead and stand up with me to your feet? And let's together go to our God in prayer. Dear God, we come before you today, Jesus. God, and I thank you that God, you have used this scripture to show us, Jesus, how you are the God who can take a grave and turn it into a garden. So God, you can take the lonely and let them know that they are loved. You can take the unsaved who are far from you and bring them into salvation with you, God, like only you can do. God, I thank you 
for the promise that is sealed that for everyone underneath the sound of my voice, we are seen by God so we can see and sit with another. God, I thank you that we can stand here today and say that God, you see me and therefore I am yours completely. So we worship you today, Father. It's in your mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we all said together, amen.